You're listening to the Pod Station. to the special edition of A Film Podacy. We're going to take a spoiler-terrific look at the latest Marvel release, uh, Captain Marvel. I'm your host, Mark Pollard. Joining me, as always, is my fellow nerd and movie star, uh, The Marvelous. Love it. Uh, Mark Latham. Hello to you, sir. Hi, mate. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Is it really you? um, I think it is. When I felt myself earlier, it was. Because you could be a scroll. That is true, but then having said that, are you really you? Well, um, tell me something that nobody else knows and that you wouldn't want anyone else to know. I'm wearing ladies' underwear. Oh my god, it is you. Yes. <laughs> um, but then to be fair, most people know that. <laughs> we are going to take a spoiler look, so warnings if you haven't seen the film. Massive spoilers ahead. Yeah, do, do not listen to this before you yeah, watch the film. Or anything. Because it'll just spoil it. <laughs> yeah, or indeed any of the other Marvel films, I suppose. Because we're going to reference them purely, so... First female lead Marvel film not before time um, yeah although quite frankly Black Widow should have had one a, eons ago well you see we'll, we'll go into that later this is what I always say when people complain about the fact there's a lack of strong female leads in a Marvel movie is you have to understand the organisation and the planning that's gone into getting to where we are now that was created from um, a single idea that stopped Marvel going bankrupt and that came from Iron Man and they've planned this from the beginning so what we need to allow ourselves to do is be able to just let Marvel and in fact Disney but mostly Marvel map out where this is going to go and um, because Black Panther was already mentioned in Iron Man 1 and then later on we have Black Panther it's not because they've decided to make Black Panther it's in fact they had a plan to make Black Panther and it did a very good job of it well yeah it's well welcomed anyway. Absolutely, isn't it? absolutely. Yeah. Um, quick overview: We've got Captain Marvel is an extraterrestrial Kree warrior. Hmm, is she? Who finds herself caught in the middle of an intergalactic battle between her people and the Skrulls? Uh, she keeps having recurring memories of another life as an U.S. Air Force pilot, Carol Danvers. Uh, and when landing on Earth in 1995 with the help from Nick Fury, she tries to uncover the secrets of her past whilst harnessing her special superpowers to end the war with the evil Skrulls. Yep. Discuss. Initial thoughts of the film? I actually really enjoyed it. I just, Again, it's another one of those movies that ties everything back into itself and allows the um, overall story to be moved forward. And I just, yeah, I sat there quite... Um, quite pleased with the outcome and also quite excited for how they've managed to fit it all in. Because um, yeah. you, you, you're a big comic book person. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I know, I know all the comic companies tend to arguably reboot and do another story arc and things like that. Um, so there is, and there's also within the context of this an understanding of how it all fits into the comics because they've obviously gone with Carol Danvers, the well. This is the stories from Carrie Sue Dononic, Deconic, Conanic. She's the one who wrote 
the this particular story plot, which is where Marvel have taken a lot of their plot points from, rather than the 1971 uh, comic 1972 story arc with the Kree Skrull War. So, because this is my first, I didn't know anything about Captain Marvel. Until, oh, really? Okay. Obviously, when in um, Infinity War, I saw Fury send the yes message off on the yeah, page. Yeah. I went away and had a look. She's quite out. a big. She's yeah. I mean, in terms of the nineteen seventy one seventy two story arc, it kind of impacts everybody really. And for me, I was watching it because the pay, the thing that put put a little bit of a tingle down my spine in Infinity War was in fact that, um, and I knew exactly who he'd rung through his page yeah, straight away and I was like oh this is so good because obviously when you see the all the films how they're slated and, and obviously um, I don't mean slated doesn't criticise I mean how Marvel set them up to be planned to be released um, I was like oh Captain Marvel great it's about time not because of a female lead because I arguably believe that there's a lot of strong female characters within the movies themselves and when you look at a movie you have to balance it up it's not about and particularly with the Avengers and even with Civil War which is like Avengers 2.5 you've got a lot of strong leads who are all trying to have their part of the camera so I think what this this movie will do is allow the story as a whole to move forward and I enjoyed watching it um, particularly as a movie and also as a fan they didn't set up as a traditional origin story because we start no. right in the thick of the action. I, I found it quite refreshing, actually, that there wasn't this backstory of having <clears> to explain the universe, oh. trying to get your head around where they're going, what they're doing. Ooh, I, I've never heard of this planet called Earth before. Agreed. Whereas to her, it was just planet C-50, whatever it was. Yes, I didn't make a note of that. Which saves yeah. an awful lot of backstory and just allows you to get straight into the thick of the action. Yeah, no, absolutely. And... Um, it's still how they managed to bring it all to, to make make sense in terms of what they've used. I mean, there was some, there was some, um, in, in sort of in terms of the origin story, she still ended up being exploded. The difference was this time she caused the explosion herself rather than it being an explosion she ended up being involved in. And obviously, she's absorbed all the powers and things. Yeah, I mean, it was quite interesting. I quite like this. Yeah, I just quite like this whole the whole way the story was sort of developed. Uh, in terms of other origin films, where, where would you place it? It's a good. Um, it's a good one. It's one. It's up there. If you were doing the top three, I think it's up there. I quite like the Iron Man origin story. Really, uh, I think simply because I'm just loving the whole way in which they've planted. It, it, it was. It wasn't just Iron Man. It was never going to be just Iron Man, and the way Iron Man has Easter eggs in it that have set up. You can go back to Iron Man and go and watch it again and go, flipping egg that was mentioned, and oh my word, there's Wakanda, and it's like wow, okay. And I just love the way in which they plan this out properly, and every time they do a movie, you you know, take note, DC. <laughs> well, this is what I was going to say, because there's another Captain Marvel film out at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, Shazam. Yeah, and the reason why they can't call that Captain Marvel is because in the 1960s, Marvel Comics licensed and trademarked the word Captain Marvel. Right. And so in 1972, DC, through their licensed comic book, which was Fawcett Comics, they basically uh, licensed their character and caught, they, could, they couldn't call the comic Captain Marvel, so they called it Shazam, which is where Shazam comes from. Uh-huh. Now, so there's two Captain Marvels in the cinema right now. And I'm telling you right now, the one that I know without seeing the other one, this one's far better. Um, and it's it, and, and exactly what you're saying. 
DC fail miserably. Yeah. I'm, I watch a movie for DC and I'm literally going, I don't even know why I paid for this. And it's as if I've suddenly forgotten. Because you're not a DC hater. No, I don't hate DC. That's the thing. I, I get thoroughly upset, not to the point of tears, but I get upset because I got worked up. So when, just to digress a little bit really, but it has value to what we're talking about now because it's important because we're about comics and it's not to pick one for the other. But in terms of how Marvel have just planned and how they make films and how they speak to the directors. So, for example, when Civil War was being done, they spoke to all the directors and said, right, when Spider-Man's in it, you know, this is what we want him to do. And, you know, when they did the Aven- uh, the Infinity War one, you know, when Star-Lord appears and the Guardians of the Galaxy appear, they spoke to the directors of the film and they went, right, this is what we want to have happen in the story. And Can they you were, shoot it so it's consistent well, with the film? They films. were just talking to them, saying, you know, we, are, we, are you OK for us to do this and this and that and the other? And they were all talking. Now, what you've got at the moment is um, DC going, I think we're going to do um, World of DC because literally every film we make doesn't work. The only one that's good so far and again, again, it's not because of, you know, it's a female lead because Wonder Woman has always been a strong character you know, maybe not when she was doing the TV show with Linda Carter but they were just, but, but, but it was a female lead, it's not a new invention you know, we can, we, can, we can champion the fact that it's now a stronger female lead, but in fact Wonder Woman was doing a film so far that I've enjoyed that's been DC. A Suicide Squad's already being rebooted, The Suicide Squad, and and the person who's just been sacked, James Gunn, from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, is directing it, so it's going to be boss. It will probably be the shift in the dynamic apart from um, Wonder, Woman. Wonder Woman that's going to make DC some money. But they've got three Joker films on. Now, Marvel don't reboot. They just make films. And they just make films that are very, very good. And whether you are a fan or whether you just want to go and see a popcorn movie, they just make very good films and they all link to each other. So that's for me, without kind of boring you to tears, is, is why I believe this was was a no-brainer for me. I went without any uh, thought at all that it was going to come out going, nah, not for me. But it, I enjoyed it, it was good. My feeling towards it is slightly more lukewarm than that. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't know whether it'd be better watching it second time round. I feel like there's a pressure to try and capture everything, every piece of information. You're looking for every nugget you've seen where it's going to tie into the next stories. And I don't know whether. Oh, I did watch it twice. I've watched it twice. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah. And I... is it better the second time round? It was the same. But I, I did. I did. Well, no, it was the same. But in, I take on what you're saying, which is I did notice more than I'd previously known. But I think that's because I have the, the wonderful benefit of knowing the comics and the story I mean it's when like for example Guardians of the Galaxy I picked up on stuff um, that wasn't picked up on by most people simply because of the comics and Guardians of the Galaxy is quite a new story as well it's, you know, it's not go, it doesn't go back to the 70s and things quite like um, the, the original version of, of, of Ms Marvel as she was known it then so that so for me I totally get what you say I think because there's so much happening on with a movie this is, the, this is the thing there's so much happening on screen and the screens are huge your eyes are everywhere and you're trying to see and a lot more things are happening in the background now than the fore and so you either compromise missing the main story to pick up on all Easter eggs and little things that you're seeing in the background for split seconds or you focus on the main story and miss the Easter eggs so that's so yeah I think watching it a couple of times might give you a bit more the underlying theme about this film seems to be control yeah for me okay. um, so the the Cree in a Cree existence they're going to great lengths to stop her from using emotions they're using quite subtly insidious language yeah. uh, which implies that she can't use that 
emotion mm. or else it'll dampen her yeah. ability to do her job whilst obviously for the context of what we're going to cover in a bit is fundamentally because they need her not to use her emotions because if she does she'll instantly realise she's got way more power than all of them put together Yeah. and then the flashbacks in the human life element is her training to be a pilot and being yeah. told we can't have women pilots um, yeah. you're never going to be as good as the blokes um, I don't know why you're here because it's all a waste of time that seems to be the underlying theme yeah I think she the, the way it's shown through even growing up um, that she's all well one thing I got from it wasn't so much that she was being kept down because she was a woman it was the fact that every time she got down and fell down whether it be through a crash in a go-kart whether it's fallen off a rope in training is she always got back up again and it was it was because of despite the fact that she fell down she always got back up so I, I just thought it was the defiance thing well that was the, the... yeah there was obviously the the montage at mm. a certain point in the film towards the end where that yeah. had, they showed that very thing happening and yeah. preceding that it was very much about keeping the dampen down, keeping oh, the control, well, they te- had the, telling uh, her what to think, telling yeah. her what she can do, telling her what she's allowed to do. Yeah, but then you see, you've all, you've also got a Minerva, um, a female Cree, um, and she's a sniper. Yeah, but she didn't have the same powers that Marvel well, no, does. but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm just making the parallel that she's a woman and is a sniper, and maybe it's not specifically a female human, but Minerva is a female Cree or whatever gender you are when you Cree, and so maybe it's specifically the the undertone of being female human being pushed down, and the fact that within the Cree um, in, environment, because of the powers, they don't want her to be more powerful. Did you think she had a nice story arc in this Absolutely. film? She starts as relatively blank canvas because she's got no memories, she's got no, no idea what of her background. No. All she can remember and process is what she's been told to do at that given moment and that obviously develops as the film Absolutely. goes along. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I did like that actually and I liked the montage of the getting back up again because it's just this this underdog thing where they've what's what has happened is because of the fact they've kept her down for so long, they've they've underestimated her. Because she isn't just powerful, she's super powerful. Well, I have an issue with that, which we'll, we'll come okay. to. Not that I've got a problem with powerful women. <laughs> it, as, a, as a footnote. As, yeah, as a footnote there. I, I tend to have more of a... a it's a, the Superman complex that I have, where if you make your heroes too powerful, do they become so powerful that there's nothing that can really affect them all that much, in which case they come, they become a bit boring. There's, they're well, not I mean, fallible. This is, I mean, this is still the first one, isn't it? So, I mean, it's kind of, it's got a lot. Well, to kind of give a snippet for the future, she is reliably a flagpole for Phase Four and Five. Right. So, um, you think she's going to be the lead Avenger? Well, she because she's now off in space helping other um, people because she can. And you know because she's that powerful, you know her role. Well, the reason is because, as as was mentioned, is because other planets don't have Avengers, so that's why she's doing it. That's why she's going to other planets to help them out, and she could do it on her own. So that's the wonderful thing. So yes, she is very powerful, but then she, as as is mentioned, is that not every planet has the Avengers, and you know we've also seen the fact that even if you have the Avengers, that you don't have the same level um, of response time because. We've just had Infinity War, and we had the Avengers. So, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? Even with the Avengers, you couldn't stop the snap. But then the other question is time travel, because I don't know whether that she's that powerful in terms of speed. She can do the Superman thing, 
and go back in time. So basically, go back before the snap. Yeah. Now, so, yeah. I'm reliably informed because I did a little bit of research that the way in which she gets her powers is different in this film to the comic books. Yes. So going back to the the, the comment about time, it is plausible that they, they'll do something that isn't necessarily consistent with the comic books per se. It'll, It'll be MCU-based, yeah. yeah. I mean, as I say, they've gone with a different writer that's more recent than the origins of where she was in the um, negative zone. Um, and crashed to earth from the negative zone because she wasn't stuck there she was just a bit of a, spent a bit more time in there and um so that's not that's different to the now story that they're using the kevin Feige kevin Feige said is used um with the with the woman i mentioned earlier kelly sue uh deconic who's the person who was actually in the movie in the train station easter egg but she's the one who's written the story that they've used uh, the latest version, which is why I said it's Carol Danvers, and it's it's in fact not Ms. Marvel, who um, is Kamala Khan. Right, well, my research showed that uh, Maria, her friend, actually turns out to be a Captain Marvel in the comics as well, and she does a well, stint. she's currently known as Spectrum. Did she have a name, Proton? She did. Well, yeah, Photon. Photon. Um, Spectre, Daystar. Um, well, Photon, if you noticed, though, it was on the side of the plane of her mum. Well, it was a call sign, wasn't yeah, it? It was, but she's now currently... Um, she Because she came before 1982, she was Captain Marvel. So she could form a... Well, she could very she could easily now. Part, Absolutely, yeah, because she would be in her 30s during the end game. Um, so it's not unreasonable. But right now, she's known as Spectrum. Right. Just Interesting. To, Watch this space. Indeed. So there's a, but this goes back to what I was saying before. When they're making the movie, they're already... A movie, two movies, three movies ahead of where the story's going to be, and the way they fit things in. If you look at Ant Man and the Wasp, nineteen eighty nine, well, nineteen eighty nine is six years, whilst the the Doctor was working on the Tesseract and things like that. That's nineteen eighty nine, and to now in nineteen ninety five. So everything's all planned in. I mean, I know some of the times don't always fit in. So Spider Man and different things like that, and sometimes they retcon stuff in. But on a whole, arguably. Um, they're on the, on the ball, aren't they? You've mentioned 1995. I have. A year I do actually remember. It's often, well, I don't know if it's a sign of me getting older that now when you do retro time films, they're actually in an era that I can remember fully, mm. or whether it just so happens they've picked the 90s. Did we like it? Yeah, you got it, because most people of our age who will be going to see these movies remember 95. A blockbuster, um, God well, bless it. it. Was, do you know what, though? As soon as that happened, I was like, do you know what, classic. You know, True Lies with the, the, the and Arnie's head getting shot off. And well, did you know that they actually wanted to have the mask? Yes. Because it was the green, so it, it was more scroll-like, but yeah. you couldn't get permission from it yeah, it's it. about licensing isn't it yeah. But that, yeah, okay. whereas Arnie gave permission for his head to be blown off nice. in a Marvel film which nice, is kind of okay. cool yeah yeah. the soundtrack was cool yeah well all 90s stuff the only thing I picked up on that was um, yeah. I, I just I just made a note of the fact that the well I, the music was great I, I just thought that it all fitted in well with regards to the period 95 but in fact the Nevermind album wasn't on vinyl until 1996 but I, I particularly like the No Doubt. Yeah, do you know why I love in No that, Doubt? In that, I, I, loved, I loved that album. Well, I loved was her it Magic singing. Kingdom, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I just loved her. When she went on her own as well, I just loved her yeah. singing. Um, just great. But I remember that album. I remember buying that album mm. in that I never time. bought it. I just loved the song. Oh, it was cool. And so when they played that in the third act, I was made up. Well, I quite liked the um, Come As You Are bit, to be fair, just because when when um, she's talking, you're hearing 
you know the song and you're just hearing the rumblings of the kind of the beginnings of the song just kind of going over and over again and it's sort of building and building and building and you just know it's like just it's just one of those songs that just fits so nicely in terms of the kind of crescendo of the scene so yeah it's good we come across Nick Fury a young Nick Fury. Did you like the the aging effect? He was quite I, good. Do you know what I love? I love what Marvel does. So I just clever. love it. Well, I love. I mean, you've you've seen Ant Man. You've seen Ant Man and the Wasp, and you've seen how Michael Douglas looks. Flawless, isn't it? Yeah. I, and I mean, even the Robert Downey Jr. one when he's doing a flashback to his childhood, you can see that it's still not quite spot on. But but it's F, still better than the mustache. Well, I was going to say, wasn't it? Well, when you've got someone, some MIT student who's bought a hundred pound software and can do a better job than the the. Um, they did on the actual film and then having seen Fallout and listened to an interview with the director who said well actually we didn't really need him to have a moustache anyway you go what what in the world were you thinking why didn't you just speak to Universal and go uh, can we shave his moustache off and you know, is it integral to his role and they would have gone nah and, and I've been on set right with things where I've grown a moustache for a part and they've come to me and they've said can you can you shave that off because we've got too many people with moustaches and I've gone yeah no problem and while sitting in costume and makeup or makeup hair and makeup two people are getting pathetic moustaches put on while you've had your yeah, shave and I'm, and I'm literally saying to the, 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 the makeup woman why don't you just stop doing that and leave this and then you'll have one person with a moustache and two people without fake moustaches it's mental and they just go to what production wants so I know exactly the nonsense that goes on but when it's costing like two million pound to do that and he's just like it's and you're going no and I was suitably unhappy with it all yeah well it's flawless is the de-aging effect yeah the de on here was amazing and and to be fair I don't think Coulson was quite as good there was a a couple there was a couple of bits that looked a bit ropey yeah Um, but you know Samuel Jackson hasn't really aged that much I mean even when they did it with Kirk um Who's on Guardians of the Galaxy too? Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Yeah, even with Kurt Russell. Um, I, I read an interview where they were saying they actually d- didn't just use. There was very little CGI they used with him. They used a lot of makeup techniques and tips to make him de-age. Samuel Jackson doesn't particularly look like they've done much to him, but it's it was yeah. I just love the way they do it and it and it works well. And also because I watch um, Agents of Shield, you know, with Phil Coulson. It was nice to have Coulson back. Wasn't Absolutely. It? Yeah. Yeah. He, and, he was um, the crown chairman. He died. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. So, so I, I yeah. So I like the the de aging process. It's it a, it's good. a different fury altogether. He's a he's he's, he's, he's new, a lot more. He? Yeah, he's a lot more light hearted. He's got a nicer perspective. He's he's still fresh. He's in a, he's a level three, not level ten. And the way he looked actually was it was good. And obviously the the, the the fact that he is fresh and and because they refer to the rookie, don't they? When they say Colts Coulson, so the rookie goes over. But set up how Coulson is going to be kind of set up their relationship, and so. Nick Fury is obviously level three, and so he's got a long way to go. But he has, he's got a short space to do it because um, trying to think was silver um, two thousand ten was Avengers and the 95 so he's got sort of seven levels to go you're showing how poor your maths is well I'm just working out that he's got to work out how seven, levels, seven levels years yeah but that's what, assuming he got to, he was already uh, head of S.H.I.E.L.D. before the Avengers because he set it up in 2008 so he hasn't got that long as he's got what um, 13 years yeah so 13 years to get up seven levels busy old boy yeah I mean and he only got the job because Robert Redford stood down so that's that's the, that's the reason. So, so he's he's obviously done well. This um, film changes his outlook. He yeah, because he's just a he's just he's been well, by the desk for six years. He said because we've seen Agent Carter, yeah. we know that there are 
that Shield's aware of weird stuff going on. Yeah. Presumably, as as a Shield agent, he yeah. will be aware of some of this stuff. But this kind of opens a whole new world to him, doesn't it? An alien yeah. landing on the planet with superpowers. Well, he won't have clearance now, so that's the reason. In level three, he won't have clearance to know about orbital things and stuff. And these are the the building foundations, really, for him. Well, what I mean, you, you've got to remember that obviously we're talking six years after the fact that there's a cloaked spaceship in the orbit and between 89 and 95 is when the Goliath project was happening which is referred to in Avengers um, as is Pegasus because it's the same place where it starts off so these two projects have already been happening and so we're already aware that people haven't got clearance to know about them um, and we're assuming that to the doctor, uh, Doctor Lawson, is it? Yeah. She's obviously talking to Shield because they've let her do some tests and things. So he's been riding the desk for six years, and this thing's been happening for six years. You know, Hank Pym's been dealing with his stuff for six years. Goliath's been going on. Project Goliath happening within the six-year period. So things are happening. It's just that he's level three, and six years ago he might not have been level three. So it has changed his outlook because now he's aware of things that he shouldn't really know about, um, which is interesting because the setting up to Avengers is where you have Agent Coulson kind of nipping around with his artefacts and going, yeah, we've got this problem in the Mojave Desert or whatever. Can you sort of get a crew to come and you know, put a big, huge thing around Thor's hammer? And, you know, he's doing the cover-ups, I suppose, because of the fact that they're now, they are well aware of things happening outside of the Earth. Um, Did so he I... worked with, do you think he worked well with Marvel? Yeah. Sorry, with Carol Danvers. Because yeah. she's not called... No. Captain Marvel at any point Mar-Vell. in this film, is she? Oh, well, you, are you talking Marvel or you Well, Lawson was called Marvel. Yeah, that's who we're talking, yeah. That's... Carol Danvers is never referred to as She's Captain Vares, Marvel. Yeah. Vares, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I quite like that because obviously he found half a dog tag and um, her friend Maria Rambo found the other half. So they've obviously been calling her Vares or Vares and they know her full name. So I quite like the transition because at the end when you've got the build-up of the music she's going on Carol Danvers and, and basically boom, done, mic drop, I'm off and the sort of artificial intelligence who's um, come up in the world because normally in the comics you just look like a big disembodied head um, even though there's not supposed to have some sort of corporeal form she's, you know, looks like Annette Benning, always a winner but you know, I, I mean it, it, it was just for me a really good movie so it was it was something I could watch even if I wasn't a fan and come away with um an enjoyable you know sort of movie and I think the 90s thing was was really good but yeah but Nick Fury I enjoyed Nick Fury because he's sort of even though he's sort of not in it a lot in the movies. I quite liked so he's a kind of input. You saw quite a lot in. of him, didn't you? And he, yeah. It was a different kind of feel. He was a bit more light-hearted. For a bit... him, for this one, you saw yeah. more of him. Yeah. I, know, I quite like that, because we haven't had a Nick... Well, we have, if you include the um, the uh, David Hasselhoff movie. We've seen some of the traits of Nick Fury in this film, but yeah. he just seems a bit more of a fresher-eyed, lighter-hearted kind of... He's not been damaged, guy. has yeah. he? He's been... He's, he's still... He's just kind of go, whoa, hello, this is new. And, you know, he's quite chill about it and stuff like that. And so, no, I did, I did like that. So, Nick Fury loses an eye. Yep. Wears an eye patch. Yeah. We don't know how he's done it, except for this film. Yeah. Tells Massive. us. Did we want to know this? Is this one of those things that we... Is better left a mystery? I, 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 do you know what? I quite liked... I quite liked... It doesn't, it's not important. It doesn't, it doesn't specifically help you get through your life, but... It's one of those little things where you wonder 
you don't use this part of thing. You again. wonder, and it's it's the mystery of it, it gives you the idea that this guy's been out and done things, and it ticks a box of of things where you go, ah, that's interesting. Because here's where I'm coming from. Okay, so Fury, I really enjoyed the fact that throughout this film, whenever he crashed a car or he fell over or he had a fight or something swung down, it was his left eye that always took the brunt and of it. And everyone was thinking, and it was ah, going, ah, is this the how, point? Yeah, yeah. And then it didn't happen. No. And I really liked that. And I was desperate for the film to finish with him still having two eyes, but a really badly damaged left eye because that was the one that keeps taking the pounding. Correct. And so throughout the film, you're thinking, oh, we might find out how he yeah. ends up with one eye. And at the end of it, you, you're still left with that mystery, but you've been played along with throughout the film. I just, I, I, it felt disappointing that um, I, I now know the reason why. And well, I mean, I quite like the fact that throughout all of the things, all the films, there's, um, it's kind of a top secret thing, and they and they're hearing rumors about, oh, did that happen because he got it, you know, blasted out by a Cree, or in the other movies, people are going, oh, you lost an eye, it's like, um, I fell out with someone or someone thinking, so I didn't, um, I didn't trust someone properly or whatever or I put my faith in someone I didn't trust, I think he says. And so you think, oh, wow, OK, it must be a big thing. And then to find out how it really happens, <laughs> I thought it was quite comedic, simply because, also, again, having read the comics, you know, the, the way it happens is through the, one of the most innocent things ever. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, this is quite cool, because you know, because everyone's... Everyone, you're seeing the reactions around, and they're going... Mm. Yeah, but I like the fact that people are constantly speculating that, that these weird stories are just getting more and more blown up as, as time and myth takes effect. And quite like the fact that nobody knew and what it could be as opposed to finding out that he was... Yeah, I suppose. It's, it's not eye, a necessary but... thing to answer, but I think it just covers it without having to create a film for Nick Fury to give you an origin story that people are probably... Well, wanting. I won't want it in there either. I, I, I well, like... no, but, I mean, they would to do a Nick Fury film, one of the biggest things is going to how he loses the eye and without having to create a whole backstory to an eye loss, you know, um, he he's lost his eye now. We know why. They don't need to do a Nick Fury movie. Get social at the pod station on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, the the next big twist in the film, the main plot twist, is the fact that the scrolls and the Crees are on the other side of the fence, or are they? Might they be? Um, comic wise, they're... see, I think it's the thing with the the Cree and the scroll um, war is it never really is intended to involve humanity. It's supposed to and it's been designed and written to to go to the far reaches of the galaxy. So it's obvious at some point it is going to include other species, particularly and obviously including humanity. But as I've written down, um, there's good and bad on both sides. Um, but what I've seen, and I've seen a lot of shows that have the Kree in, they're mostly bad. So to have a bad Kree... Uh, which is a bit like a bad curry, probably. But to have a bad curry wasn't a surprise to me. Yeah. I quite I did like though the way in which the scrolls were always portrayed as being bad, and the massive twist was well they're actually not. So I did like that. But I've, I've having watched Inhumans and Agents of Shield, I know the Kree aren't good. The scroll being bad. The comics obviously tend to have them as baddies. I appreciate it's not a a good bad. Scenario. There's a bit of a grey area for for both. I think they're both. Races. Well, they're both bad. They're just. A, it's just a massive war that's going on, and um, you know, because I mean, I've got it sort of um, 
Talos the Tamed, you know, he's known in the comics, and it's because he he has this um, affliction that he can't shapeshift, so he becomes a really good commander. Right. And that's what Talos is in the comics. He that's he's known as Talos the Tame, Tamed, um, because he can't shapeshift like everyone else. But, but he can in this. He can in this, yeah. But I mean, because I'm, I'm going back to the this kind of the him in the precursor to the one that's being redone now. But these are only the scroll that we've met because the the, the rest oh, of the yeah. race could be. Well, far I think left, I pleasant. think. I'm trying to think whether they were supposed to be used in the Avengers movie and they weren't allowed to do with licensing. And so the Chitari came in instead. I'm I'm sure there was a reason. I think they were going to be introduced then, the scroll. Which I think is a good thing because they're able to shapeshift. It's a good you've tactical got, thing. You've got that risk of having this secret war of people who, we, characters we already know and love, yeah. actually turn out to be scrolls, which is a bit would be disappointing or... Well, the Secret Invasion story, which is where they imitated the Avengers, isn't going to happen. That's not what's on the... That's not the schedule. That's not... They are going to pop up throughout the different movies moving forward, but the Secret Invasion isn't coming up anytime soon. Although I say that, there was four scroll on the planet, but only three died. So that leaves one behind on planet Earth. Hiding. Hiding. Yeah, in plain sight. Which Maybe sh- he's Bob the Mechanic. Yeah. Um, I felt quite clever about spotting that. It's interesting that with the current political situation as it is mm. across the world, um, the scroll are painted as refugees yeah. on one side yeah, yeah. and terrorists on the other side. It's getting a bit close to the reality, isn't it, of the world? Well, it's quite interesting because not... Um, you know, when you sort of look at the way things in the political um, landscape right now and how easily people are led into believing something they see. So we watch the media and we suddenly believe that because there's been a terrorist attack here, every Muslim now is a terrorist. But in fact, statistically speaking, um, more terrorism is done from homegrown non-Muslims than actually Muslims, and also, as people have said many times, is not every um, not every Muslim is a terrorist, and not every terrorist is a Muslim. Mm. And the problem is, is what we do is we see, which is what this film well, this film forces you to immediately see the the scroll, and you go, oh, they're not good, and the Kree are so, and you Kree limited information because I know the Kree aren't good. That's just because I know the stuff, and so when you have the switcheroo, and you're going, oh wow, okay, I got duped. And it, and it forces you to kind of face the mirror, which is, do people rush to judgment when they shouldn't? and or, or, in fact, be challenged to academically seek out facts? Because, actually, when you go back... If you go back and watch the film a second time, you look at the key points before we know the scroll are actually yeah. not baddies. Yeah. Um, well, not in this there's, particular there's story. There's actually some key, key features that go on which suggest that... That was always the case, but yeah. you've made the assumption. So when they land on the planet at the beginning and, and Carol, Carol Danvers, Carol Danvers. Yeah. as she is yeah, at yeah. this point, Vers gets captured, the Skrull actually don't go out to set about trying to kill no. the Kree. No. It's more self-defence in yeah, response to them being there. Yeah, because if you look at there. first shot of the fire, they, 
because they're shape-shifting, they see them as the scroll and then immediately creep fire on them first. So they defend themselves. And all it is is a way to capture her to find out how they can get to the power source. Because they don't torture her either, do they? They, no, just, no, they I, just... I mean, appreciate they turn her upside down, which is an odd thing to do. But you they, feel a bit they... sick after a while, but that's yeah. all. <laughs> but they plug her into a machine just to read her memories, so they're not torturing her. Not... She killed more people on the ship than they kill. Yeah. Um, so when you look back and look at that, actually, it, the map was there, but as you say, you've, you, you see these pointed-eared green, bald, evil-looking creatures yeah. and you automatically assume they're the bad guys. Marked, marked group. Um, that's because she, if you think about it in realistic terms, she and the Cree the kill more of them than they do because they don't kill any of, of the team. The Star, the Star Force team that lands, none of them are killed. They wipe out all those people on that planet and she puts a massive hole in the side of a ship and they all get... Um, Sucked out. In, ...into space. Um and so she arguably and they arguably kill more people in the opening gambit and I don't know how many people on that ship more than 30 but you know basically they she destroys all that ship and then four as you mentioned land on the earth so I mean you know that's the thing they've actually started engagement of, of, of war before they've even done anything towards them. And once the big twist comes out, uh, I think Ben Mendelsohn plays a fantastic He's great. character. I mean, he, I, I think He's he was great. probably my favourite character in this film. I liked, well, I liked him in Rogue One. I have liked him in where he plays potentially bad baddies. You know, I liked him... Um, and he's but you sh- assume he's a baddie again well, because well, he's a character being yeah, played exactly. by Ben Mendelsohn yeah. so you, you think well he never plays a good Absolutely. person exactly and so you kind of led that and that's maybe why they cast him they went every time there's a film you're in it as a baddie you know um, what was the other one um, Ready Player One baddie so, yeah, but I think I think Talos is a, a, a hilarious character. I mean, you've I got like this him. broad Aussie accent, which is well. He, I mean, Ben Mendelsohn is from Australia, but he does it effectively because he's very good. I think the Australian accent works for me. He was trying to get. I think he was trying to get a kind of a, a, um, a combination of a nice sort of warm, daring character or, or vocal and the Australian accent seemed to be one that when you're talking generally you come across quite nice, you may look like the most wanted and you're green and everything else but actually when you're talking you're quite a decent guy because it comes out with some cracking lines I think when Carol says that she thinks she knows where the lab is and it's in orbit and he turns around to the, the space officer oh, yeah, and yeah, goes yeah. really you're yeah. supposed to be the expert on this and <laughs> yeah. it, it's been, literally there it's yeah. literally there and it's been, been there, there six all, years yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, um, agreed. I mean it's just lines like that that just made him such a rich character <laughs> yeah I know and it's hard when, when he was given the opportunity to explain, he warms to you immediately. And then you build up on that straight away in a very short space of time because previous to that first act of the movie is portraying him and, and his species as these war... I mean, they are at war, but they're not at war with everybody. The war, there's a civil war. Well, it's not even civil, but it's it's a war between the two of them. And it's been going on for a while, but it's, the point is, is they're not trying to take over the universe. It's not a universal war. So it was never going to be a battle with humanity and them. They were never the threat. It was, but that's how it's portrayed from the Cree. And if you've been brought up by the Cree, Yondu, um, in Guardians of the Galaxy, was brought up by Cree. Um, he was abandoned, and the Cree brought him up. So he, he's obviously been indoctrined into the same thinking as Cam- Carol Danvers or Vers, as he's known. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting how we very quickly, simply because they don't get shot, they can put their point forward. And it develops to, in fact, they're not the, the baddies. Yonrog, 
Jude Law's character. Did mm. we like him? Because yeah, it was rumours originally he might be, be Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, I'd heard that, and I think it's wonderful that they don't always give away. Because that's the problem when the fans are doing theories and stuff. It can spoil. It can spoil it. Um, so it's good if you keep things back, because then you go. There's a little bit of a un- un- unveiling of things. So I, um, no, I quite liked him, um, and, and I've worked with Jude Law. How have you? Yeah, I worked with him on uh, Fantastic Beasts too. Name drop. Boom. Boom. Yeah. And he's he's having a bit of a renaissance at the moment, you know, because he was obviously in, well, he's he's what's the name, isn't he, Dumbledore? Yeah. Um, and he's in, you know, if you think about his, his movies, he's been AI, and he's different, you know, he's got a wide variety of different characters he's played. And I'm just trying to think, he doesn't always play villains. It's very rare he plays villains, you know. But I liked him. Yeah, it's good. But also somebody who provided another element to to Vers in terms of training and things, and and kind of. If you notice, the, she wasn't being trained by um, a blue a blue Cree. You know, the person who the the kind of uh, so was a different coloured Cree. No, then? they're all blue. Oh, are they? Yeah, so yeah. why wasn't he blue? Well, because I think he's like so he's like the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, he basically um, will be someone who's part of the Star Force. Right. So you've got like the accusers. So Ronin um, is Cree, but he's one of the accusers, and then. Karath, who is from Guardians of the Galaxy as well, um, who kind of retrofitted Guardian in Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's he's Cree. So Star Force are Cree, but I think what they do is they have other people in like like the Green Lantern Corps. Okay. So all they will have done is, um, like for example with Yondu, they would have adopted him, brought him up, and I think he becomes a Ravager, doesn't he? So they just bring them up, but they obviously will have been trained in different things, so they know she's got the power. And as we've talked about earlier, they're trying to control that because. Arguably, then she'd wipe him out. And knowing what we know now, which is that she was a massively powerful being, mahusively, mahusively, but um, why on earth did they keep her around? It well, seems like a bit a weapon, of a risk. It, yeah, well, that, that, I suppose that's the question. Was it to to use her as a weapon? Well, if you if you if you convince someone enough who who your enemy is, and they're not encouraged to challenge that belief, and then you point and click and go, "There's your enemy." And you've but you've also tamed because one of the things that is interesting to note is the inhibitor is one that's used by the inhumans to inhibit their powers if you if you've watched Agents of Shield. And so um that was interesting. But they've they've, they've put that on her so she's not powerful because they she would just wipe them out. And they know, they must know that if she finds out what they're doing and they find out that it's all been a big con and they're kind of using her for the wrong reasons She'd turn on them. Glad you said that because okay. part and parcel of this film is that when they connect up to the uh, supreme intelligence, they yeah. see the vision of what what they want it to be or Correct. what they perceive it to be. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether the supreme intelligence has any ability to adjust that or change that, but if you were going to try and hide those facts away from her, it seems a bit strange that you'd then have the supreme intelligence appear as a as Dr. Lawson, Marvel. Yeah. Bear in mind, she doesn't know who she is, and so the immediate question is, I don't understand, you've said this is somebody who's important or relevant to Well, it's what her brain... It's not what they make her see, it's what her brain tells her. In which case, surely you'd keep her away from the supreme intelligence. Um, You would, but then it's dependent on... Like, she doesn't know, does she? Because that's what she says, she doesn't remember her. So it's what her brain, clearly somewhere in there, the brain knows this person... Yeah, but he's going to get her to start asking the question of who this is and why. It would why. if you had never have met the scroll. 
the the reason they crapped what what the whole story began is because they captured her because they knew in her subconscious they knew where project phoenix was which is the power source they need to find the ship to find the family so it's the scroll that's instigated this she could have kept going to see um kept going to see the intelligence and would have kept seeing uh, lawson time and time again and just go i don't know who you are and no no backstory that would have ever been added to it it all happened because they went to they went to that planet it all went down the school got her kicked off Okay, yes, I think um, we come into the third act. Mm. She finds the fu- she gets to unleash the full power of the she Tesseract. Does. She does indeed. This is where me Superman bugbear comes in okay. because for me, my main worry is, and I, I have to say, I have the most confidence in Marvel just because so far they haven't let me down with any of the films they've done today. Yeah, but my ba- my main concern is, does she now become so powerful that she becomes like Superman? where you've got to go to the extreme levels just to try and... She's powerful, isn't she? I mean, there's no doubt of that at all. And she's, like, proper powerful now because you see at the end she doesn't need a mask anymore, the masks that were used in Guardians in Guardians 2, in fact. Um, she doesn't need them now to breathe in space. She's not as powerful as an Eternal. Now, we've got an Eternals movie coming up in the next Phase 4 slate, so you ain't going to have... I think it might be a prequel, to be fair, but the bearing in mind that Thanos is offspring of an Eternal, so he's kind of pseudo eternal in terms of his power levels um, and we believe simply because of her importance to the end game that she's probably one of the few that can defeat him next to an eternal and we haven't we haven't directly met them yet which have been mentioned but we haven't met them that's probably the reason again the issue you've got then is is the marvel universe then starting to move away from earth and with these kind of characters in play now, I mean, you look at Hawkeye, you're talking in Endgame, you've got Hawkeye who can very accurately fire a bow and arrow at someone. It seems almost ridiculous that he would be fighting alongside someone who's got that level of power and yeah. be useful. I think I think what... Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, and I think the, the thing with the, the likes of those is, like with the same question that was raised when um, Doctor Strange came out, which was why we never heard Doctor Strange. And as that was mentioned in, I think it was the Avengers Infinity War, he's not dealing with problems on Earth. He's dealing with um, universal parallel dimension issues that are far, far greater. So you've got your Avengers, you've got your Fantastic Four, you've got your Smash um, group, you've you've got your X-Men. They're all groups of people, and they're all the ones who are helping on Earth. And then you have the select ones who are like sort of I suppose the guardians of the galaxy and then with that Captain Marvel with that you've also got Doctor Strange and all the others that come in with, with kind of as, as a caboodle they're the ones that are defending against outside of Earth because you're never going to get people I know you have like Iron Man as his sort of orbital suit and things like that you're never going to have them focusing outside of Earth's environment it's always going to be your guardians um, scenes we love I have to say, I absolutely love the PC loading when they put the CD-ROM I remember that as well. And I just love the fact they're just sitting there looking and she's like, goes, what's happening? And he says, it's loading. As if it's like kind of a given. And, you know, I remember those days. Yeah. And now you get frustrated if the app doesn't open. Do you know what's so funny? It's like, you know when your phone's running so slow, particularly if you're an iPhone user, um, usually when the next launch of the iPhone's due out, you'll find... Um, you're going to throw it against the wall. I remember games that you'd wait half an hour to load. They make that weird... Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Did well, you... I had an Amstrad um, with the t- with the built-in tape deck, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and it was wasn't it was the built-in um, floppy drive. But even then, I remember you'd just be like, you wait five minutes yeah, for it to load up. Yeah, and then you had like fifteen k um, dial-up. You know, you'd be like downloading a picture, <laughs> like line by line. You come back to it. You could have mapped the genome in in the same time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so I just it's little things like that. You know, the size of the little computers and stuff, and um, yeah, I did. I did find that quite interesting because you, you don't realise the uh, how it was in '95, <laughs> having been in '95. And I, I also particularly like the end scene with Yonrog, where he, oh, he sort yeah. of throws it down and goes, "Right, the only way you can you can win this truly is by defeating me fist to fist." Yes. And she quietly she goes, "No, I'm all right, thanks," and just blows the living shit the out. The old Indiana Jones move. Yeah. Loved um, all that. And I really liked that. I thought thought that was that was really nice touch it was i don't need to prove anything to you no she's way more powerful than you'll ever imagine well that's when kind of um what is it sort of um apprentice becomes master scenario um and he was i think he i think he um was basically just doing that because he knew if he he knew he, he was knew, getting he his ass kicked yeah, either yeah, way he, he was just hoping if he tried to level the playing yeah, field a little he bit. thought diplomacy was going to be the thing so to, yeah no i did like that actually and obviously, I like the fact that his character hasn't finished yet in terms of she put him in the ship. They were, in fact, going to have him land on the planet that was in Ragnarok. Oh, yeah, the, the one that Thor landed on. Yeah, they were going to have him do that, but they thought it would be better to send him send him back. So, so yeah, I um, I did. I did like that. And it means that he um, he gets to appear again. Because this is the thing, isn't it, with these characters? They obviously pop up again further down the line, which is great. The Tesseract comes into play. Yes, I've got a little timeline here. Oh, it's, someone's done their research. I think I've roughly got this in my head, because the first time we come across the Tesseract is with Captain... America. 1940. Yeah. Um, Howard Stark finds it. At the in the bottom of the ocean. Presumably he's involved in the Pegasus That's when Pegasus begins um, and they start looking into that and that's where probably Project Goliath is also happening with the joint NASA um, shield. Is he still alive at this stage, Howard Stark? He dies in, I think he dies in 89, which is when Winter Soldier kills him. Right. So it will have been passed over by then to Lawson. Yeah, he finds it. <clears throat> he might not have been a particular. He might have been working on it for a period of time, but we're we're assuming that it's been with them prior to it being seen again in two thousand and ten. And then it sort of just long lingers around in the shield office. It's in a it's in a, a box, isn't it? I mean, we're going to have to assume there's going to be a little bit of creative license that somebody's got it by a door, um, or <laughs> using some, it to yeah, prop it open. Yeah, or something. I mean. There, there is that gap. Um, we're kind of assuming that Shield is speaking to Doctor Lawson. She's revealed that she is in fact Cree, and is trying to build what is essentially the precursor. Well, the actual ship in the the one that's kind of outfitted is a precursor to the Quinjet that Shield use. Just a throwaway thing there. So that's what's used by Shield is the Quinjet, which is quite interesting. So you know she's obviously going to speak to them and say, "Oh, by the way, I'm Cree, and I'm doing this bit of." In, in a sort of um, research, can you help me out? And they'll be like, yeah, it has to be that because otherwise, as you say, it's literally going to be like um, the Ark of the Covenant is just shoved in a big warehouse. Um, I've got it kind of a bit of a timeline. So 2010 is when it's found again and ends up in the same building we see in Avengers where Loki 
Luke Which, King. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's alluded to in the end of Thor, in the end credit scene, where Loki takes over the scientist. I've got his name, Eric, I think it is. Um, and then in Avengers scene, uh, then they're taken back to Asgard to go into Odin's treasure room, which is mentioned at the very beginning by Red Skull. And then in Thor Ragnarok, Loki steals it and then he gives it to Thanos when it ends up in Infinity War. Dun, dun, dun. There we go. Um, we get Goose, the character Goose. Do we like Goose? Um, also it, known as Chewie in the in the books or in the comics. Oh, is it actually a character? Is it? Yeah. I didn't realise. Oh yeah. This is. It's I just I just assumed Goose was a callback to Top Gun, which oh, again, that is, yeah. Top, Top Gun came out in the eighties, didn't it? Not the nineties. So it's a strange callback. Maybe he's just called Goose. I don't know. Well, I mean, he's called Chewie in the comic, but he's not a cat. He's a flurkin. He is a flurkin, and he's a flurkin in the comics um, as well because Rocket Raccoon tells Ms. Marvel that it's a flurkin and um, not a cat. Because Rocket Raccoon was actually frightened of him in the he, same way as the yeah, scrolls are in this. Yeah, yeah, the, the same the same response, but obviously in the in this now, they're all, they're all moving away, going, get away from me! And then they put like a Hannibal Lecter little mask on him. And the funny thing is, is if you know it's not a cat, the way Nick Fury responded to him, no, you look a little, little cat, no less. And they go, I love well, you. Because you're laughing for that, I'm laughing because they're putting the mask on, and yeah. you know why they're putting well, I, the mask yeah, on. I know, yeah. I'm laughing because they're putting the mask on this yeah. cute little cat. And I'm loving the fact that, that Fury is just he's made up proper, with his cute... He's, he's, he's smitten. Yeah. Yeah, he's smitten with the kitten. Cat. Yeah, he's, exactly. And that's why I was laughing, because everyone's going, no, step away from the cat. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, but how, it's so cute. And, uh, yeah, it's it's literally like having Jaws as your pet goldfish. Right. Um, and so, I did, yeah, I did like that. And... Um, because it does go back to the fact that in the comics it, it's, it's Rocket Raccoon who says that. Um, so yeah. Uh, final sting, because I'm conscious of time. Um, final sting to this, we always wait and hang around. Although I say we always wait and hang around, there are still people when I go and watch these films who get up as soon as the film ends and disappear. And... Do you know what? I, I went to see this twice and each time people are off. And it's like, mate, there's been 10 movies. Well, there's been more than 10 movies. Been 10, way years, more. Yeah. 10, 10 years of movies, 18, 18 movies or whatever, and you still haven't got on to the fact that there's a post-credit scene, or in fact, more. I, I remember the time when we went to see um, Dark World 2, and we went leaving, and there was three post-credit scenes, yeah, and we hardly jumped back in to not miss them. Yeah, well, we left him, and we the did. guy said, if you wait for the last yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, because there was three, not two. Yeah, yeah. we pick it up where they're reeling from the aftermath. Uh, we don't have any idea of timelines particularly. It's got to have been at least a couple of weeks because someone will have had to have gone to retrieve the pager. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, she turns up. Yeah. So uh, is, do we think this might be a scene from Endgame or is this just doing well, a, a, an intro to avoid us having to do the intro in the film? Because it's not the first time they'll have used a scene from another film. No, I think this might just be a, a kind of a, a bolt on to it because it's supposed to pick up straight after. Literally, Endgame is picking up straight after the click. Because this scene, this scene was actually filmed by the Russo brothers, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So that suggests that it's po- probably a scene from Endgame in the same way as the. It was Bucky, wasn't he? Who had his arm in that's the right. vice, yeah. and that became yeah, a scene in right. Civil War, but was actually it. Yeah, a yeah, it was extended version. It was an yeah. extended scene, wasn't it? Yeah. No, I think it may well be because she's she's sporting. Um, for her, she's put on the new uniform. Um, she's got a brand new uniform because if you think about it, about 20 years have gone by, maybe 95, so, so yeah, so it's a lot, a lot, about more than 20 years have gone by, and so she ain't going to be wearing 
the same Cree outfit for 20 years, tramp. Um, so she's got a brand new lot of gold going on. And so, yeah, no, I, I quite liked it. What did you think of it? I suspected this was always going to be an introduction when, when they brought out the trailer and they have the Avengers walking across the hangar and there's numerous people there's a clearly photoshopped out gap where someone will be walking and as soon as I saw that gap I thought that's that's probably going to be Captain Marvel I just yeah I just suspected it would be so it doesn't surprise me again it comes back to the it'd be interesting to see how she fits into the wider story whether it be because she can travel through time or just by a sheer power because I, I haven't yet figured out whether or not Thanos can he reuse the gauntlet no he's, he's goosed that so that's he's ruined that well there's a, there's a he's hurt himself he's hurt himself and he's destroyed the glove right which is kind of because it's so powerful he kind of that's why it's all damaged and his arms in, injured. So the only way that's going to become an issue again is if they do go back in time to before. To, to well, there's before. two points, isn't there? Before the click, yeah. Take it off him because he could have taken him off him, but obviously Star Lord got a bit carried away, and you know vengeance took over. Or alternatively, is go back before he's got all of the and try and get the stones independently. Yeah, and there's, there's enough depending on how far you can go back and in terms of power, there's that to do. I mean, did you pick up on the the vials around the pager? No. You, do you not? So those those blue vials are around the page are in fact Cree blood, and if anyone's familiar with Project Tahiti, which involves Captain um, Agent Coulson, you'll yes. understand that Cree blood can bring people back from the death from dead. So I wonder why they're going to try and do that. Well, if you've got Cree blood knocking around, you might want to bring someone from the dead, such as Vision. If you bring Vision back, or you can bring someone back from the dead um, that you need to time jump or something that could undo a click then that might be that might be a reason but the the blue vials are definitely i've seen them before and i've seen them on agents of shield and they're the cree blood and um as anyone will know agents coulson was brought back so he he, he he's aware of that and so that's something that may might be involved in it do you think we'll see coulson in the end game uh, well they don't know see this is the thing you see the Marvel movies don't refer to the TV shows. The TV shows do. No, but do you think they'll make an exception because it's this is the big ending to the last 10 years of work, isn't it, really? Um, well, where are you up to on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I've watched it all, apart from the newest season. Okay, then I can't possibly comment, then. This right. is a spoiler for you, within Got a spoiler. You. But I don't think it will. I'll be very surprised. I don't think it will because I know in terms of their... It's a bit like a... Um, adopted son the, the TV shows kind of link up with it. it's a one way street basically right the movies never refer to the shows the shows where applicable refer to the, the movies and so I think I think the point of him in in Avengers dying served its purpose to galvanise the, the Avengers project so this was a rousing success for you I enjoyed it. I mean, the thing I did mention is the the Stanley cameo. We haven't really covered of the course. massive, massive. Yeah. Um, it was homage. a big nod. Uh, sorry, it was a big nod. Yeah, it was just it was so nice for them to do that. Yeah, and it was. I know Kevin Smith was made up because he's been uh, referencing Stanley for for years. And then there was a massive a cameo within a cameo because we've established that um, Stanley's character is a watcher, so that's why he plays all these different characters. And then there he is on the bus reading the script for Mallrats, which he starred in in '95, Kevin Smith's um, film, uh, where he plays himself in the film. So. It was that was that was a massive thing I picked up on, um, 
And I know there was a mention about the fact that um, Captain Marvel didn't sm- smile much, but there was a scene where she does, and I believe that actually wasn't a reshoot, that was in the movie, just that people picked up on the fact she didn't seem I, to smile. I, I didn't really have a, pr- a problem with well, that. I didn't, I, I just... I, 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 in fact, I thought some of the, the humour between her and Fury particularly was really effective. Yeah. I, I didn't think she was a dowdy character no. at all. In fact, I thought she was she was really good. I think my, my concern with this film was it felt like it was the warm-up act to the headline. Um, yeah, there is. You're going to get that. It just feels a little like it's, it's particularly because they're bringing it out so close to Endgame. It, that's that's where I'm at. My head's been on Endgame as soon as that Infinity War finished. I was immediately right. You need to give me that right away. And so they've sort of slotted this in just before. I mean, right. Well, if your if your head's gone now, how, how far is your head going to be when Spider-Man Far From Home's out? I mean, because that's hot on the trail of Endgame. Because that's starting Phase Four. Yeah, well, that's why I'm a little bit baffled about why they brought the trailer for that out before Endgame because my brain's all over the show. It's, it, is this set before <laughs> Infinity War? Yeah. If it's not set before into Infinity War, he obviously comes back, which is a major spoiler for a major film. Um, I think we're all assuming that there are key characters who are going to come back. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, well, there's going to be major spoilers, whatever you do, but it's about marketing, isn't he it? Just, so yeah, and I, I appreciate that. It, just, it was just an odd one. Is there anything else? Well, just only that in terms of spoilers, the, the reason the Kamala Khan um, character wasn't mentioned in this is because this was going to be a debut for 2022 in Captain Marvel 2, where she'll team up with Ms. Marvel. Fact. Um, Captain Marvel, as I said, is going to be a massive character in Phase 4 and Phase 5. Uh, there's no plan to do a, a secret invasion, um, but they have slated a Spider-Man 3 movie. So, I mean, in terms of ongoing characters we're going to see Captain Marvel again we're going to see Spider-Man again so they survive oh I mean it has to be it's going to be exciting though because we're going to find out who survives well also Doctor Strange 2 is out in 2020 so well I think if I was a betting person I'd be putting uh, Captain America and Iron Man as being probably top of me they're going to bite the dust bite the dust for good yeah Thor possibly although I, I suspect Thor will probably just go back to help his people and retire his. Okay, there is a there is a theory going around at the moment about Iron Man's right, uh, left arm. Have you heard that? There's no. a massive thing about there's his arm. If you look, go back into all the movies, and his left arm is always in pain. And there's a bit of a theory that he actually put in the gauntlet. Thanos has gauntlet's left-handed, so there's a big thing that going on about whether he will in fact put the gauntlet on and sacrifice his own arm. There we go. That's a theory, though. I'm only merely... It's not mine. It's what I've heard. But um, people have gone into all the movies. They've looked at how he refers to his arm. It's always his left arm. Um, it's always his left arm. He gets, gets battered in Iron Man 2 by Whiplash. Um, he's touch, He's grabbing it in Civil War. Yeah, it's in It's in a sling in one of the movies. Um, so there's just a thing that people are picking up on, the fact that maybe if he does go, it's because he sacrificed his arm for the greater good it's so exciting we'll have to wait and see so yeah indeed um, if you've enjoyed the show please give us a a review on iTunes Spotify SoundCloud all the main uh, all the main platforms find us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram it's at the film policy please give us your thoughts your quotes let us know what your feedback is on these films Um, if you've got any questions or anything you particularly want us to cover in terms of topic then do so you can find me at, at Mark R Pollard 
you're not yet social mediaed up, are you? No. But we'll, we'll, we'll get you there. We'll sort that there. Um, and we also have a host of other shows that you might be interested to check out on the Podstation. It's www.thepodstation.co.uk. And I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this special. I can't wait to do the next one, which is going to be Endgame. Indeed. Excelsior True Believers. <laughs> Check out all our shows exclusively on the podstation.co.uk.